Are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real-life sequel? Stab 2? Who'd want to do that? Sequels suck. No, no. Come on, man. Oh, please, please. By definition alone, they're inferior films. Many sequels have surpassed their original. Oh, yeah? Name one. From an undisclosed location, thousands of fathoms beneath the sea. This is the Deep Dive Podcast. All ahead, one third. Up, skull. Battle stations. Battle stations! Hello, divers, and welcome to yet another episode of the Deep Dive Podcast, the only podcast that can be seen with the naked eye from space. Did you know that? No. Oh, it's true. It's true. It's very true. Uh, I got to bring this up, but um, you 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 seem like you're you know got some got some issues, some like breathing issues today. Uh, well, you know what happens every every time around this year, trees get all romantic, and like they they love each other throughout the air, and that product of that love, which is called pollen, is highly congestatory to me is that a word (laughs) it should be but i did take some claritin before we're recording this Ooh, we're claritin clear talk to your local doctor for a prescription now hashtag sponsor us Mm. please um yeah I, i mean i'll survive i'm so dedicated to this podcast that i decided that i would be here despite you know sounding like a a yeti I've never heard a Yeti. That's, <laughs> is that what a Yeti would sound like? Because I, I have no idea. Does it, you know, if a Yeti screams in the forest, what does it sound like? A Yeti? Exactly. Oh, all right. Okay, I can't argue with that. Yeah. That's fine. Luckily, in the bathosphere, though, we're protected from all the trees. Wait, what? 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 What would you say? The bathosphere. We're, we're in the, you know, a million leagues under the sea. You never read the memos, Manda. You never read the memos. What are you talking about? I sent you a memo saying that we're not doing the bathysphere shtick anymore. We got some feedback saying that it was kind of lame. <laughs> and so we're kind of dropping that whole silly pretense that we are recording from some kind of submersible vehicle under the ocean. Nobody bought it, really. Um, and so we're kind of like not doing that, but here's the problem. Here's what I have a problem with Yeah, is that I send you memo after memo after memo and you never respond. You didn't come to the deep dive blood drive. You didn't come to the deep dive indoor 4k run to raise awareness for agoraphobia. You didn't come to the deep dive barbecue and we could have used your help putting out the fire. So... Please, 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 please read the memos. The memos? You mean those cute little origami things you send me? Oh, dear God. Yes, yes. Wait a minute. I didn't know how to unfold them. Oh, boy. All right. Can't you just text me? What's that? Oh, okay. We're, we're, we got to figure something out. But I promise I will lift myself from the sea like the proverbial no, Aphrodite no, that no, I am. No, we're not doing no. that. We're not oh, doing that. Okay. We're not doing that anymore. 
What we are doing, however, yeah. is introducing ourselves. Oh, yeah, we are. My name is Tom Feeney, writer for Wang's Chop Movie Magazine, available on Amazon.com. And with me, as always, is the marvelous... It's me, Amanda. Amanda. Not with an A, it's not Amanda, okay? No, no, you got to no. stop doing that, people. You know, it, it's, it's really tough. It's really tough, but I choose to live this and walk this road for the greater good of all Amandas out there. Yeah, you know, and it's a good thing that you, that's not your middle name and your first name is like Agatha, because that would be Amanda, like oh, A period Amanda. Oh, yeah. See, that would be kind of awkward, too. That would be very awkward mm. if I was born in like, you know, the 1820s, but... Ooh, uh, 1820s, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get the old prospector. <laughs> oh, man. So... We're doing a special show, and they are all special, all special to me anyway. Really. So, when I show up, they're pretty cool. Well, there's a thing in Hollywood that's called a sequel. Mm-hmm, 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 Typically mm-hmm. speaking, a sequel is some sort of mindless cash grab to play off the success of the original. And most of the time, those sequels are pretty awful. Yeah. But once in a while, occasionally, there is a sequel that is just as good as or better than the original. It happens. It mm-hmm. does. It's a rarity, but it does mm-hmm. happen. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about sequels that were just as good, if not better, than the original. Now, I have to give a shout out here at the top of the show to listener Travis B., who suggested the topic for this particular episode. So, by all means, if you don't like it, blame him. <laughs> Oh, well, thanks, Travis. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And keep those ideas coming. We may actually use them. <laughs> so, Amanda, yeah. in your in your haze. Oh, haze. What do you got for us? Well, if you can, you know. So, this was a tough episode. Yeah. I mean, I really had a hard time with this because, like, as you said, most of these things are kind of garbage. Right? Yeah, it's I garbage. Think, I think back to Austin Powers 2, whatever it's called. Spire Shagney, was that the one? Yeah, yeah Spire Shagney. Yeah, and let's not even mention Goldmember. Oh, Oof. rest in peace. Yikes. Yeah. Well, Michael Caine's still alive, so whatever. Yeah. Anyways, i got a couple for you, <laughs> and I think they're pretty good. So okay. I'm glad you mentioned either as good as or better, because right. th- these ones actually were, for me, kind of as good as, maybe yeah. not necessarily better, but I enjoy them. And that's still hard to do. Right? Exactly. Okay, my first one is called The Wicker Tree. Yep. Okay. I'm so glad I puzzled you, because I... I feel like I'm the only one had it. I am puzzled. Right? No one has seen this except for me and my friend group. But, you know, you know what I mean? Not that you're my friend group. Never mind. So, Ooh, um, get your foot out of there, okay? <laughs> All right. From 2011, and it is a sequel to 1973's The Wicker Man. Really? Really? The Wicker, I love The Wicker Man. Great movie, right? Wow. Fantastic. Uh, directed by Robin Hardy, who actually, he did both The Wicker Man and this one, which is, you know, okay. already got a leg up if the same director is doing the sequel, right? Yeah, you would hope. Yeah. Yeah. So, this one, I, at first was like, mm, this is kind of weird. Like, I've seen The Wicker Man before, just kind of in passing, and I thought, okay, well, I'll give this one a shot. And this was a couple of years ago. Um, actually, right after the hobbit came out because i was mm-hmm. super obsessed with graham mctavish and i was like i'm mm-hmm. gonna watch everything he's in and bonus he's an outlander or was an outlander and i love outlander you know how much i love outlander the tv show yes yes the bodice yeah. ripper yeah but that's the one that's the one yeah me and mrs feeney we're we're like uh good friends on that level hmm. yeah, yes yeah. Mm. <laughs> anyways so this one stars graham mctavish it also stars guess who christopher lee 
the Christopher Lee. Yeah, as in like Saruman. Saruman. As in Dracula. Count Dooku from like, Star Wars. Everything. Right? I love Christopher Lee so much. Did and you know he loves he, heavy metal. I was just going to say that. Do you know he had a metal album? Yes, I did. Oh, man. That guy was just pure genius. Yep. You know? Uh, anyways, so let me give you a quick breakdown. So for those who haven't seen The Wicker Man, the premise is a cop, a police officer, is sent to Scotland, you know, the highlands of Scotland, the beautiful hills, and he has to solve this mystery of, like, why this woman went missing. Or did she go missing? Dun, dun, dun. Exactly. So you get the idea that the villagers kind of know something, but they don't know something. That theme, that trope carries over into this one. So this time we've got a pair of uh, young lovers and they are hardcore for Jesus. They call themselves the Cowboys for Christ. Okay. Yep. 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 <laughs> and they decide, you know what? We're going to be a modern day missionary couple and we're going to go to these places, these remote places and preach the word of uh our christian god oh yes as you do as you do yeah, yeah. so <laughs> they decide to go to scotland this remote village in very north scotland and they're gonna do that but you know what they're not met right away with what they assumed would be uh loving applause or like even just welcome mm. these villagers are kind of like no we're not even gonna take your plant your pamphlets like just don't even talk to us they're just passing them by so they're kind of confused they're like well, what's going on here stupid villagers Right? And so they're kind of at their wits end here. They're they're kind of bummed out. So finally, someone comes down and gives them a lifeline, and it's Graham McTavish as Sir McLaughlin. Not Sarah McLaughlin, but Sir McLaughlin. Oh. He's kind of, he's like a laird. And he doesn't do those dog commercials no. that make his head. All right. You know, if ever I need a pick-me-down, that's the one. That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> but no, so he's like, hey, you know what? I'm a laird, which is kind of like a king of the castle type deal and i've got some influence with these people why don't you come to my house and i'll make sure that you know i can get my villagers on board and we'll see what we can do with this right because you know you're a cowboy for christ we must need that mm. so they uh, as i guess naive and innocent as they are said yes we believe you yeah but there's a twist oh it's always a twist always right a twist. It, kind of this weird thing that you didn't notice until really about halfway through the movie there are no kids like there's just no children running around sounds like paradise <laughs> well for some people yes mm. um and it's just like the weirdest thing because you it's one of those things you don't really notice it and i guess as a viewer you wouldn't actually expect it because you know it's an adult movie right they we're all off doing children of the corn oh see think about it oh okay funny you mention that but let's just i don't want to spoil it too much but i will say it's one of those weird things where there's a, a bunch of villagers they're all secluded right they're in here it's kind of like emma Shyamalan's a village they're all secluded in one area mm -hmm. everyone believes one thing except there's no kids right why because they're infertile women are infertile in this place so Grant mctavish is like hey uh i think it's a really good idea to build a nuclear power plant in this remote village of scotland which then uh instantly turns women infertile so they need men to come in and procreate with them right our ancestors feared one terrible winter's day that you would set in the western sky, plunging us into perpetual night. And yet, you shine upon us still. Oh, glorious sun, accept our sacrifice that we may be fruitful once again. We pray that we may once more hear the sound of children's laughter. 
so they capture these really naive silly people who are on their missionaries trip um but they don't need the girl right they just need the dude ah. yeah it, it it gets a little bit bloody although it's got some humor to it which i kind of enjoyed i think it's just silly but i would say that it is a good sequel to the wicker man okay um especially since it came out like a good 30 years later maybe mm. even 40 years later so yeah um i don't want to spoil all of it but it, it gets a little bit bloody which is not usually my deal but this was really good to the scores oh yes yes imdb gives <laughs> a 3.9 out of 10 which okay fair enough um metacritic and rotten tomatoes didn't actually have ratings on it i'm gonna give it a 5.5 Okay, that's, you know, middle ground. Um, middle ground, right? I liked the cast. Christopher Lee is awesome. Mm, Graham McTavish is awesome. Plus, I like Scotland. I like movies about Scotland. Um, yeah, and that's pretty it. But I think it's worth watching. I really do. Because it's kind of one of those things where, like, you know, there are places in the world that haven't been discovered, that haven't been, like, widely uh, reported on or whatnot. And so you think this is in scotland a first world country right let's say but they still have these remote places well according to this movie remote places that people uh you know they're all in about themselves it's like kind of one of those things where like if you um sneeze your neighbor knows about it mm, yes yeah one of those things so it, it's a bit interesting a little bit kind of creepy i enjoyed it um let's see you can rent it on youtube and google for 199 which seems to be standard yeah um you can also buy it on the playstation store for 399 Oh. Uh-huh. Guess what? Redbox are now jumping into the streaming game. Ooh, that still exists? Yeah. So instead of going to the actual giant Redbox, you can go to redbox.com, sign up for an account, you can rent and buy directly from their platform. See, I think Redbox needs to get the word out about this even more. So they should really sponsor our show. Absolutely. So that we can tell more people about the great offerings at redbox.com. That's right. Hey. <laughs> That's for three ninety nine. You can buy on Redbox, but I browsed um, their catalog. They have quite a bit of cool current stuff, which makes sense, right? Because the Redbox that you know down yeah. the road, they have more current movies. Um, but unlike, say, Netflix and Hulu, which have a rotation of sort of older and newer stuff, this seems to be quite more current. Hmm. So kudos to Redbox. I'm excited to see what they have in the future. But uh, that's my first pick. Hashtag sponsors. Hashtag please. Very nice. Thank you. Okay. I'm so. surprised I picked something that you hadn't seen before. Yeah, I, I had not seen that before. <laughs> Which I is not, always my goal. <laughs> well, good luck. Uh, <laughs> so, typically speaking, you know, uh, I tend to I tend to lean a little bit more towards the darker stuff, maybe the more weird, unusual, no, strange what? sort of offerings. Mm -hmm. But remember when you sacrificed that goat? You know, okay, so I sacrifice a goat every once in a while, and all of a sudden I'm labeled the goat killer. I mean, Get really? Yeah. Come on. Labels hurt people. They do. They really do. It hurts my heart. In any uh, event. In any event. I'm going in a different direction with this first pick. <laughs> I'm kind of nervous. When it comes to sort of Disney animated films, right? Yeah. You can really simplify the history of Disney animated films uh, and to break it up into like two main eras, pre-Little Mermaid and post-Little Mermaid. I would say that's accurate. Now, post-Little Mermaid films, there's actually a term for that sort of 10 years 
uh, of films that included Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and all that. It's called the Disney Renaissance. Okay. And that is when sort of their animated output really... Uh, really came of age and it was raised the bar significantly for animated sure. features. They were really on a roll during that sort of 10 year Lion King. period. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. So my pick is actually one of those films released during that period, but one that gets very little attention, relatively speaking. Mm. It was the first animated film that was released after The Little Mermaid by Disney. And oh. I am referring to. The Rescuers Down Under. Walt Disney Pictures presents the high-flying, heart-stopping, roller coaster ride of the year. Did we lose anyone back there? It's all new <laughs> and all fun. It's The Rescuers Down Under, rated G. No! Yes. I love this movie. Yes. Oh. This is a great movie. Oh, this is fantastic. It was released the year after, 1990. Oh. And is actually considered part of the Disney Renaissance. That I did not know. Yeah. And <laughs> it was... Uh, it was a sequel to uh -huh. the original Rescuers, which was released 13 years earlier, 1977. Huh. And it, it's kind of an interesting thing because this movie, The Rescuers Down Under, was unlike the original. This was not a musical. Right. It was a much more straightforward action, adventure, comedy kind of movie. Right. And they managed to get most of the original cast back into this movie, including uh, Bob Newhart. Huh. Ava Gabor, that was her last film, by the way. Uh, so there was uh, some newcomers as well. Um, there was, in the original Rescuers, there was a, a, a character named Orville, who was an albatross. Mm. And the actor, the, the voice actor that played uh, that character had passed away. So they introduced his brother, Wilbur. Get it? <laughs> Orville, Wilbur. Yeah. Yeah, albatross. Yep. Uh, that was played by John Candy. Oh! It was really funny, really yeah. funny in this role. And then they also got to play the villainous poacher, uh, Percival McLeach, was George C. Scott from Patton. Like mm. a really like down and dirty, heavy duty actor. Like, right. mm. And they got him to be the villain. And he was great in this movie. So the whole film takes place pretty much in the Australian outback. There's a young boy named Cody. And he uh, finds and rescues a rare golden eagle. And but this poacher guy wants that eagle. Yeah, he, he's actually already uh, killed its mate, and is after the golden eagle. He's trying to find it. So he knows that the boy knows where the eagle is. So he kidnaps the boy. And he's going to try to force him to uh, show him where the eagle is. Hmm. Luckily, one little tiny little field mouse witnesses the whole thing and contacts. Yes. The Rescue Aid Society, which consists pretty much of Bernard and Miss Bianca, who are <laughs> Bob Newhart and Ava Gabor. So they travel to the Outback, not the steakhouse, you bloomin' onion, <laughs> to help young Cody find and rescue the Golden Eagle again. So they rescue Cody, they rescue the Golden Eagle, they're going after them. And this is a really great adventure movie. Yeah. It's With a good soundtrack. Oh, great soundtrack. Yeah. It's amazing. And it was uh, it was a it was a quite a bit different in tone than the original Rescuers, which is amazing. It it, it I'd love to hear, and I haven't been able to find much about this how this film de was developed because thirteen years after the original Rescuers, and this was the first film they decided to do after the Little Mermaid. So they it, you know this was kind of sort of stuck in the middle. 
you know, just after the success of Little Mermaid, they had already been working on this movie and they released it. Problem was, is that it kind of got lost. They released the film. Uh, the first weekend, it didn't perform well. Hmm. And the head of Disney at the time was just like, you know what? We're going to cut our losses. And they basically took it out, removed all advertising, and just basically let the film die. Straight to VHS. Kind of, yeah. yeah. So they didn't, you know, they didn't really do much with it, even though it got fairly good notices, uh, good reviews. So it, it's, it's been sadly lost in the shuffle ever since. But it's definitely worth uh, a look. And it has some interesting pedigree, too, and as far <clears throat> as uh, film history goes. Hmm. So if you are any kind of serious film buff, there is kind of a, a, a Bible called the Hallowell's Film Guide. It's a British publication. And it, it goes into incredible detail about film and film history. Oh, it's like an almanac. It is kind of an almanac. Yeah. It's chock full of really great information. And one of the things that it talks about is the rescuers down under because it has an important place in film history. Mm. It is the first motion picture to not use one frame of film. It was entirely done digitally. The first film ever done digitally. Wow. So instead of, in, in previous films, an animation, of course, you would have the backgrounds drawn, draw the characters on the cells, put the cells on the backgrounds and flip them. You know, you take a shot, go to the next cell, take another picture and put them all together to make animation. Mm -hmm. But for the rescuers down under, for the first time, all the backgrounds and the character animation were scanned into computers. Wow. And it was done that way. And it was the first film ever in motion picture history to not use one camera or one frame of film wow. in the making of it. So that was a really, really cool... That's amazing. Uh, yeah, it's a really cool sort of stepping stone in film history. It's, it's, it's kind of amazing. They used uh, some also some new computer uh, animation techniques that had never been done before. So if you look at some of the, some of the animation, like uh, when they have this caravan of trucks, those are all sort of computer-assisted animation, oh. uh, kind of a, a, a precursor to the scene in The Lion King, uh, you know, with that stampede. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Those were mostly computer-generated. Oh, wow, didn't know that. Yeah, and so this was a, a really a groundbreaking film in a technical aspect. Uh -huh. So I thought that was really fascinating yeah, it when is. I was doing some research about this. So uh, I like that a lot. And it was also the first Disney animated movie since Bambi to feature an environmentally conscious theme, mm -hmm. like the destruction of the outback mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. poaching. Yep. So it, in a lot of ways, this is a really important film. And it's kind of sad that it's gotten lost in the shuffle mm -hmm. with kind of the, the, the big hitters, the big heavy hitters of that era of Disney animation. Yeah. So it's absolutely worth a look. Absolutely. Uh, and if you choose to do that, well, we're going to talk about the scores first. We're going to go to Internet Movie Database, which gives this a 6.9 out of 10. Okay. okay. And a respectable 69% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. Now, if you want to see this, it's available to rent for $2.99 pretty much everywhere. You got YouTube, Amazon Prime, iTunes, Google Play, and Vudu. So it's readily available. If you feel like uh, watching a piece of Disney history and a really enjoyable kind of action film that's good for the whole family, The Rescuers Down Under. I highly recommend okay. it. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm really excited because it's not often that you choose a, uh, well, one, a triple F, family-friendly flick. Exactly. 
but it's also um I like the fact that you brought it up because of its technical mm-hmm. uh, sort of groundbreaking. Yeah. That's really awesome. Because, it, you know, most people just assume that it's a, the uh, cartouche, as it were, for Disney is like a hand-drawn type of thing. Like, that's yes. what they're known for. Mm-hmm. But that's incredible. Funny enough, Golden Eagle actually isn't uh, found anywhere in Australia. But, I mean, you know, whatever. No big deal. But you just ruined it for me. I'm, well, I'm sorry. Wikipedia told me. All right, let's cut this. Cut. No. <laughs> done. We We're stop? done. Can we stop tape? Well, there's no tape involved? What? Oh, man. We're so groundbreaking. We're, this is the first podcast to be done entirely digitally. Not. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I got a second pick. Yeah, go yeah. for it. Oh, man. This one, I got to tell you, I, I picked it because it's one of my favorites because it's so stupid. Ooh, oh, oh, so funny. Okay, I'm dying to hear this. So this one, right, is the um, sequel called gremlins 2 the new batch i love this movie <laughs> so i'm good? really glad you picked this oh man i th- this is just non-stop laughs so funny it's all gags and i think that's the reason why it's like great as a sequel in terms of story maybe not but like just uh so well, funny the first one was really dark it was right yeah yes it was because it was you know they were cute but they were also really scary yeah and creepy and like they were killing people yeah yeah exactly i mean gizmo always has a special place in my heart but you know once they became mogwai then they turned into gremlins we told that was you the part. rules oh the rules so remember the first one one you can't get them wet but you didn't listen Two, don't let them uh, get exposed to bright light, especially sunlight. We made it very clear. And the third one is don't let them... uh... Three. But you Uh, got confused. All right, let's go over everything again, all right? We warned you. If these things get out of the building, then that is it for New York. We've just got some uh, problems. They say this is the city that never sleeps. (laughs) Now, it has a reason. Gremlins 2, the new batch. Check it out one time, won't you? Joe Dante returns again as the director for this one. And honestly, it's probably almost the entirety of the same cast, with the exception of a very, very great and amazing addition, Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee. He's everywhere you want to be. everywhere. And the funny story, uh, when I was picking these, I was like, I'm noticing a trend here. Um, but I decided that I didn't need to wear a wig, um, is my, to, to represent my love of Christopher Lee. I figured, you know, just me is good enough. That's not a wig. Oh, okay. Never mind. All right. Um, anyways, so this one, we know what happened in the last one, right? So Gizmo's returned to Mr. Wing, uh, his owner for mm-hmm. lack of a better phrase. And Billy goes on happily ever after we think. Well, let's fast forward a few years later and Mr. Wing has sadly passed away. Mm. So people now know about gremlins well they know about mogwise they know about gizmo right because they're like well we can't really escape what happened you know you can't just kind of brush it under the rug so gizmo unfortunately becomes like a test experiment right mm. like people are running tests on him they want to figure out what the heck he is you know what kind of powers he has what's going on what is this thing Poor gizmo right so sad so um he's in this giant uh sort of metropolis building like high high skate uh, what do you call him sky skyscraper there you go that's the one and he's in there and uh as fate would have it billy who is now an adult and he's working in the financial sector is in the same building so what a quinky dink what a quinky dink right and as it turns out things get a little bit funky as you would expect right somehow gizmo escapes somehow 
and uh, some water, you know, kind of drops mm-hmm. on them, and then these four little mogwais come out. But you know what? Unlike uh, Gizmo, they're j- they're just all mean. Yeah, so they just they trap Gizmo in a vent, and they're just like, goodbye. And then you know what they do? They take a midnight stroll, and they go to the cafeteria and Uh-oh. have some food. And then you know what happens? Yep, gremlins. Gremlins. We got a female gremlin in this one. Female. Oh, yeah. Yes, she's she's not nice. But also we have one called Mohawk, who, fun fact, <laughs> is literally voiced by the same actor who did Stripe in the first Gremlins movie, mm-hmm. and he's kind of like a, I would say a direct. Well, I don't want to descend it. it. Might be a very a weird way to put it, but he's literally uh, the stripe of this movie. Yeah. So he's in charge. He's a not a nice little guy. And throughout the film, Billy has to kind of reconnect, I suppose, with his uh, childhood friend and has to rescue him. And they go on these like they have to trap the other gremlins, right? But now, as it would as you would have it with a science flick, there are. Uh, other factors so there are serums in place and there are like toxic uh, tubes that these gremlins get a hold of and they uh they become let's say for example immune to sunlight that's not good no <laughs> um one of them uh takes a serum and becomes like this giant half spider gremlin thing. yeah oh that was freaky that was creepy i rewatched this two days ago and i was like oh oh oh, oh. even in my 30s that scares me <laughs> um uh so yeah oh and one of them is like an electrical uh outlet almost which funny enough uh, because of that one he is sort of the doom of all the other gremlins but really this is just filled with gags every other scene i swear there's some like the brick in the fourth wall i think they call it right yeah. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny oh my god so i think what really holds this uh why it holds a special place in my heart is because i like the fact that the original cast are back and i like that gizmo is still still like this like uh protagonist who's just so sweet so awesome amazing so cute i love gizmo i think i said before in an episode that i would just love a mogwai if they were if they were a a thing too much work yeah fair enough um okay so to the scores imdb gives it a 6.4 out of 10 rotten tomatoes gives it a 69 percent but that are there are a lot of reviews we're talking in the many many of thousands um i'm giving it an 8.5 out of 10 because it's just one of my favorite ever and i love gizmo and i love the gags where can you watch gremlins to the new batch you can watch it on youtube for three dollars and 99 cents or you can get it on amazon prime for 3.99 it's also free right as of this recording on the popcorn flicks application um there are some ads of course but it's free so check it out but yeah nice I love that movie. So something about that movie that's very, very interesting that I, I don't know if a lot of people are aware of. So in the theatrical release, there is a scene where um, the gremlins gain control over uh, the movie for a little period of time. And they play oh, their really? own movie during <laughs> during the actual movie. And it looks like a broken reel, followed by like the gremlins are messing around. They're putting in their own movie. Hulk Hogan, who yes, was like, he's yes. sitting in the audience and convinces the gremlins to continue the actual <laughs> movie and all that stuff. So that's kind of cool. But here's the interesting part. When the movie was released on VHS... They realized, the filmmakers, Joe Dante, said, you know, this gag is not going to work on VHS because it's not a film reel. Right. So they shot an alternate version for the VHS release. So it's an entirely, it's an entirely different 
different thing. So it's pretty cool. And so the VHS version has um, like messed up tapes instead of film reels. Right, right, right. So that's really that 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 shows me that they were really paying attention that they really wanted to do something cool for the the home video release. Yeah. And if you get the DVD, you actually get the theatrical version, but as an easter egg on the DVD you can watch the VHS version. Oh, clever. As well. That's awesome. So I love that. I love those little neat little touches that sometimes the filmmakers will put in there. Yeah. And I just thought that was a great sort of a thing to do. Right, cuz I think audience. they care exactly. They care about the audience. Exactly. Which, I just thought that was really cool. Which I, if there's some movie had some weird points, I can forgive that if the director quite clearly is a fan himself. But I had this thought when you were talking about them making their own movies. You've of course watched the Minion movies, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're adorable. I like. They're funny. Whatever. I am just now realizing that they must have taken inspiration from the Gremlins. Not surprised. Because of the language and the way they look. Oh, funny. Just, yeah, just yeah. connection. Two together. Yeah. But anyways. One of my favorite movies ever, 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 ever. And I would argue that it's uh, on par with the original. Yeah, it's a totally different tone. It totally is. But as far as being its own movie and being a a great movie in its own right, fantastic. Mm -hmm. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, all right. Now for my second pick. Uh Uh-oh. As I said before, I tend sometimes to go for the darker... Weirder, more obscure, stranger kind of picks. And with my second pick, I'm not going to disappoint. Ooh. My second pick is, uh, it, if you're a horror movie fan, you, you've seen this movie. You know this movie. You may know it backwards and forwards. But I'm talking about Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. Four years ago, in this quiet forest, in this cozy cabin, something happened. Something so frightening. Something so deadly. We prayed it would never happen again. Now, from the creator of Evil Dead, comes Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. Now playing at a theater near you. Consult local listings. This is a remarkable achievement to me in filmmaking. Yeah. Directed by Sam Raimi who, of course, has had an incredible career. He directed the, all, the first three Spider-Man movies, directed Dark Man, which is one of my favorites. Uh, he went back to his horror roots for Drag Me to Hell, oh. <laughs> which was pretty Charming. intense. Yeah, that was a pretty intense movie. But he has done quite a bit. He's had quite a career. Uh, but he got started in his career doing a sort of a no-budget, grindy, dirty, gritty horror movie called The Evil Dead, Mm. which was, uh, you know, I think shot on 16 millimeter film and was known for being incredibly inventive with its low, low budget. Oh, yeah. And after that, he got a few other kind of gigs that never really panned out. And so he thought the best way to kind of get back on the horse was to direct a sequel, which everybody had, you know, the studios that the distributors wanted a sequel to the to the Evil Dead uh, home video. It did really well in home video, so that was the only thing he could get money for mm. to make a sequel to. So he decided to just basically go absolutely insane with the sequel. Now it's technically it is technically a sequel. It has two after the name. But really, it's more of a remake. Okay. Uh, it's 
almost identical in plot to the first Evil Dead movie, but with better special effects and more of a, a comedy-type sensibility to it. In fact, the, the star of the film, Bruce Campbell... Bruce Campbell. Who is amazing. Yes. Who I've met several times. Have you? I have. I'll tell that story in a little Okay. Well, that's yep. pretty cool. Uh, he actually referred to it as a requel. A requel? A requel. Like a remake slash sequel. A requel. I see. Now, he, uh, he, you know, he played the moron, lead moron, Ash, in this film, as in the previous one. And uh, basically, this is, here's the idiot plot for this movie. <laughs> Two young lovers head into the woods to party in an old, sinister-looking cabin. So what could go wrong? Wow. They find a, a mysterious book that seems written in human blood and bound in human flesh. Ew. So let's open it. Why not? It's like Hocus Pocus. Yeah. There's a tape recording of ancient incantations that can awaken evil spirits. Let's play it. Right? Hey, what, what could go wrong? Well, everything. <laughs> so what you wind up with is one of the most icky, gooey, gory, messy, fast, crazy, funny horror movies ever made. The this Evil thing, Dead 2. The Evil Dead 2. This is intense, but it's also incredibly funny. It is basically if somebody took uh, a slasher movie and blended it with the Three Stooges. Because <laughs> they're actual sight gags. Actual sight gags in this movie. And like uh, puns, visual puns, like you wouldn't believe. There is a scene where he is forced to uh, use a chainsaw to cut off his own hand. That oh, that's has become why he's possessed. missing. Oh. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Yep, 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 and yep, he yep. basically uh, puts a bucket on top of the hand to keep it from getting away, and he holds the bucket down with some books, and the the, the book on the top says "A Farewell to Arms." Uh, so there's lots of like weird visual puns that are really really funny and kind of corny, which is mm -hmm. what they were kind of going for. So that's um, I, and and there's a reason that I hold this film in such high esteem, aside from. The fact that it's really good. Right. One of the reasons is, is that this film pretty much opened my eyes to the world of independent filmmaking. Hmm. So when I was in college, this was 1980. 1941. No yeah. way. <laughs> so when I was in college, uh, myself and a couple of friends, we were going to go to the movies. And we had a movie in mind. I think it was, and, and I don't remember exactly, I think it was that awful uh, Christopher Lloyd comedy Walk Like a Man or something. I don't know. Uh, but I was there. My friends arrived too late for that movie. Mm. So we were like, okay, what's left? And the only showing left that night was Evil Dead 2. All right. So we were like, okay, we're here. This is probably stupid. Maybe we'll have a few laughs or whatever. It'll be awful. So we buy our tickets and we go in. And we have the ride of our lives. Right. We had no idea what to expect. And we're just like, our mouths are on the floor. Like, what is going on here? And it was the most insane hour and a half I think we've ever spent. And after this, I was like, who, who made, how did this get made? Who put up money for this? This is unreal. How could this happen? And so I, you know, I went in, I started doing some research, and I started looking, at, and I found this, it opened up so many doors for me in terms of film, uh, filmmaking, independent film, things like that, that it, and that... That love has never gone away. So I've always been, you know, that kind of person that likes the kind of weird fringe stuff. And that's what really got me started on that. 
So Evil Dead 2, very special to me as a movie. Wow. And then later on, years later, uh, I got to hang out with Bruce, Cam- Bruce Campbell on a couple of occasions. Uh, one was at a, uh, a party for the uh, home video company Anchor Bay. They were uh, doing some home video releases, uh, and he was, uh, he was at the party. So I got to talk to him for a while there. And then I met him at a book signing uh, a few years later. And then Did he remember I, you? No, he didn't, and I'm not uh, surprised. I'm not enough. very memorable. Hey. And I also met him at a uh, convention oh. where he signed uh, a, a copy of a magazine that he was on the cover of for me. Oh, cool. What con? So um, it was uh, a, a, a magazine called uh, Cine Fantastique or Cine Fantastic. Oh, yeah. I have seen that. And yeah, so it was, a, it was an a Evil Dead cover, and he signed it. And so it was really cool. He, you know, he's an interesting guy. So, a uh, movie that means a lot to me personally. But enough about that. Let's get to the scores, shall we? We shall. So, this one gets a 7.8 out of 10 on the Internet Movie Database and a whopping 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. 98%. Wow. That's impressive to me. That is impressive. It is free right now, as of this recording, on Tubi and Voodoo, which I never thought I'd be saying those words out loud. To be voodoo. To be and voodoo. Sounds like a weird comedy team. <laughs> like a Nairobi. What? The comedy team of To be and voodoo. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. And it's available for rental at $3.99 Ooh. on YouTube, iTunes, and Google Play. Ooh. And that is my second pick. That was a fantastic pick. Thank you. Because I, I felt I felt the enthusiasm for you, you know, that you had. And I, I it's like one of those things where like you always remember certain, you know, Things that stick in your brain yeah. um, that are important memories, mm-hmm. moments in time. When I got my first tattoo, um, when I bought my first car, when you saw Evil Dead too. Yes. You know what I mean? That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So um, I'm Instagram live right now. Oh, you are? I am. Is that why you're holding your phone? <laughs> yeah. Hello there. Hello. Uh, so we have uh, exactly one viewer. Um, Great. Hi, one viewer. <laughs> it's Paloma. Hi, Paloma. Hi, Paloma. How and, are you? Um, just want to say thank you so much for uh, your continued support. We Absolutely. really appreciate it. Um, she is a big horror fan. So, yes. like, she loves Evil Dead. And we got to get her into the show here. We got to oh, get her. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We're going to do that. We're going to do that. Special guests. We're going to yes, have to. Absolutely. Um. So, yeah, good times. Not bad. Anyways, we're going to end this live stream right now, but it was good seeing Bye. you. The one. Bye-bye. Okay, so that's going to go up very shortly on our Instagram, which, by the way, I would like to mention that we have one on Instagram. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. So we are at the Deep Dive Podcast on Instagram. If you want to find other links for our social medias, for our email account, for our website, just go ahead to... Credit card numbers. Yeah. Ye- yeah, not mine. His, obviously. Oh. <laughs> the deep dive podcast.podbean.com. It's our website. You have all the information there. And we'll also have links and more info for everything that we talked about in this show. Also, I got some fantastic news. I don't know if you know. <gasps> what? I don't think you know. No. But I want to bring this fantastic news to you. Yes. We recently, yes. as of this podcast, yes. 
we have over a thousand downloads. Hey, that's pretty spiffy. One thousand. I mean, all joking aside, that's amazing. That we, is amazing. I mean, we're on episode, what, 22, 23? Yeah, 22, I think, officially. Because remember, our first episode is deceased. Yeah. We delete. That's why, if you ever notice, <laughs> we don't have an episode one available. You know why? Because it sucked. Um, well, you live and you learn, right? Yes. Um, and you also don't take advice from people. Uh, yeah. And anyways, yeah. yeah. Anyways, Reddit's not always the best place to get advice. <laughs> right. It sounded like it was recorded in a cave of bees. Yeah. Bees are friendly. Be- we love bees, but we didn't like those bees. No. No, no. But 1,000 downloads. I mean, over 1,000 yeah, downloads. as of now, yeah. That's, that's pretty incredible. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, thank you to every single person who has downloaded our, our show, who's listened to it, who sent feedback, comments on our Instagram. Um, I, you know, this is obviously for fun, but yeah. it means so much to us that people it are does. listening. It really does. So, I just want to say thank you to every single person out there. I want to say hi to my husband, Wayne. I want to say hi to Ian, Sarah, and I was somebody else I was supposed to mention. Oh, yes. Dave. Dave at work. Dave N. That's N like Nancy, not M as in Mary. Dave. Hi. Dave. Yes. How are you? And of course, uh, also, I would like to say thank you to Ryan Kennedy. Yes. Uh, another one of our uh, another one of our listeners who has provided us with some good feedback. Ryan's awesome. Yeah. You know, I can always go to Ryan for like a sensible like check. Like, hey, mm, man, mm. I think I'm a little bit out of my head on this one. And he'll be like, yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, that's yeah. important to have someone that will tell you that. Yeah, yeah. I literally have no one to tell me that. <laughs> that's why. Oh, no, I'm yeah, just kidding. Explains just a lot, kidding. doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Ryan is a huge history buff, too. So maybe if he is so inclined, he might be able to help us on a future episode. Very possible. You know, we are always looking for uh, technical advisors. Yep. Uh, uh, just so you know, there is no pay involved with yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Which is why probably why we don't have any. <laughs> we also uh, lost our producer, Finn the dog. Mm, yeah, rest in peace. Finn. Yeah. Wait a minute. I thought we weren't doing those references oh, anymore. I forgot. Yeah, the memo thing. Wow. Damn. Anyways, um, so that is great. We've had a really great episode. A little bit longer than we normally do, but thank you for sticking around. Mm-hmm. No, no. The dinosaur episode has already aired. Oh! As of this, yes. God, I forgot about the timeline. This whole, like, chrono thing is weird. By the way, have you ever played Chrono Trigger? No, no. What is that? Some sort of video game? It's a video game, yeah. Yeah, no, then I haven't played it. Oh, okay. I haven't played anything since Space Invaders. Hey, I actually have one thing to mention. I told a friend that I would mention this. They said that they really, really enjoyed our video game episode. Oh. um, But they are upset because they also enjoyed the Mario Mario Brothers film. Mm -hmm. And um, they wish that you'd take... To take back everything that you said about it. Not a chance in hell. Okay. So there you go. Sorry about that, Ian. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry about that. I can't. I, yeah. There's no way. No way. No way. It was awful. Yeah. Every every copy should be burned. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Oh, that's man. Right. Now, stay tuned for Harrowsmith, the only podcast to discuss the hairstyles of rock musicians. Ooh. This week, hosts Dale and Karen talk about the Ramones and their struggles with split ends. That's Harrowsmith. Coming up on most of these stations. <laughs> this is why we can't get sponsors. Yeah, this is exactly why we can't get sponsors, because we're doing <laughs> stuff like this. Oh Anyways. My. All right. You ready you to end this? I am Mercifully? ready. Yes. Okay. So, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it in three, two, two one. Harrowsmith. I got nothing to say. Oh. Is I this know. the end? I think it is. Okay. Well, it's definitely the end of the podcast. Yes. Goodbye, everyone. We'll see you next week. Be well. Bye.
Special thanks to Spirits of the Symphonic and Echocraft for our amazing theme music. Links to both artists can be found on our website, thedeepdivepodcast.podbean.com. If you like us, you can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, Overcast, or wherever fine podcasts are found. The Deep Dive Podcast is a production of Automaton Media. Number one, the body count is always bigger. Number two, the death scenes are always much more elaborate. More blood, more gore. Carnage candy. Your core audience just expects it. And number three, if you want your sequel to become a franchise, never, ever... (laughs)